Hey everybody, welcome back to Radio Gripe. It's your weekly dose of doom. <laughs> yeah. Try that one out. Uh, I'm one of your hosts. My name is Joe. I'm Jen. And this is our, uh, you know, general discussion, current events. Uh, current, past, and future, as you'll see. We're finding out what's up with uh, Doom in the future uh, and things like that and just kind of dealing with it on a regular basis. So before we get into all that... Well, before we get into anything, let's go ahead and do this. Um, thanks for listening to our show and KVSR. Uh, you know, we need, we need to let you know... Black Sparrow Radio. Black Sparrow Independent Radio. Uh, we need to let you know that the uh, views, opinions, and shit talked here on the show is not going to reflect anybody else on the network or any of their thoughts. There's people that agree with us, sure, but this isn't about them. This is about us and you and the conversation. Uh, you can get at us at uh, we're trying show at gmail.com or uh, check us out on Instagram, Radio Gripe TX. And uh, yeah, reach out. Let us know what you think. Uh, we do calls sometimes when we're talking about things. We want to know your input. We're going to get to something like that here in a little bit with another part of the show. Um, but yeah, um, also I want to say uh, if you're listening here on Monday the 13th live, uh, stay tuned for uh, one of our newer shows, Jojo Bone. Uh, I hear it's really good. It comes on about uh, 10.15. Uh, yeah, so stay tuned to the radio. Check it out and check Looking out everything else on the network. To that, yeah. So anyway, there's that. Um, but yeah, y- you were going to say. Well, I don't know. Um, but okay. I guess before we before we get into before we really get into it, we like to take some time to talk about what we're listening, learning, watching, loving. We got to come up with a better way to kind of like intro this. We do. Yeah. But it's what it is for now, and I think it says it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, what what's you... what's occupying our headspace? Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, are we going to check in in the headspace? Yeah, let's go to the headspace. Maybe we could come up with a <laughs> We're sting. We're going to have to come up with a bad sting. Okay. Joe? Okay, yeah. I was worried I was going to be first here. Uh, <laughs> well, um, you know what? I'm going to stick true to form and uh, i'm going to mention that uh, over the past week i started playing um outer wilds on a uh, playstation he loves it yeah and in fact i can't talk much about it because maybe you haven't played it and i know that jen hasn't played it yet and i really just don't want to say anything um spoilers it's it's fun uh you know it's a great little storytelling game and experience uh it's very beautiful i definitely i highly recommend everybody do that it'll It'll take your mind off of some of your other stuff, maybe, whatever you're dealing with. Yeah, and I've been uh, getting down on this VR system. Uh, just finished Pixel Ripped 1995, in yeah. which you get to kind of go back in time and play a nine-year-old boy uh, who is attempting to play video games and um, facing various obstacles. Uh, it seems to be about Christmas break, so school is not an obstacle. Mm-hmm. Uh that's good. You, but uh, your mother is very concerned about what video games are doing to your yeah. your brain, your they, uh, growth and development, and your um, I don't know moral, opti- optical background, re- optical receptors. <laughs> yeah, uh, there's they really do kind of capture that mid '90s view of video games of uh, parents being really concerned over what's happening to their children with all these video games. But- uh, I yeah. mean, it, it is so much fun, and the parents do come around. Um, they're not bad guys. They care about you. Yeah. But well, in, in, a, in, a, 
in a classic kind of like 80s or 90s movie, they get to see that it's all real and they get to see how important you are and uh, and your ability at video games. Yeah. So they end up supporting you. Whether or not you're the peak audience for this game, um, uh, or, or you just kind of like nostalgia and you like some old school retro stuff, anybody that ha- had a fantasy when you were a kid about what the future would hold for video games and... How cool would it be if you could jump inside the game and be Link uh, in what's right. the, what's the land that Zelda occurs in? Hyrule, and that you could be in Hyrule, or that you could be in Castlevania, mm-hmm. or or I guess when things got more three D, which for, for my experience was the uh, Nint- Nintendo Nintendo seventy four sixty four sixty four that the neighbors had. When things got a little bit more, you know, 3D instead of just being side-scroller. Yeah, yeah. What would it feel like to be able to jump inside the game? <clears throat> this game lets you do that. Uh, and VR is it's a subject to the limitations of you can't move around in meat space to be in the game. Yeah, yeah. Um, so they have to come up with different ways for you to navigate the world. And they usually do it through an avatar. Mm-hmm. But still, they, you know, can... Const- Somehow they find a way to make it immersive and then still allow you to, to have an avatar that you can control that moves through the world. And or, uh, otherwise, it might be a, a point and click where you can um, sort of warp to a different location. Yeah. Yeah, I'm looking forward to when we get a home trackpad and some, some haptic uh, uh, gloves and materials. Obviously, oh, oh, one of the games I'm playing right now, which is Astrobot. Mm-hmm. Because you have the helmet and the camera tracks your movements, you are able to sort of use your head to headbutt uh, enemies, <laughs> or really? or use your you know be able to duck things you know projectiles that are flying at you. That's cool. And there are moments in the game where you come across a mirror, and you're able to see your own reflection in the mirror, and yeah. it's responsive to your movements. That's that's good. Uh, line tracing. Not every game. Uh, is capable of doing that, and sometimes it can really compromise the rest of the game to have it on. Yeah. Oh, it's so smooth in Astrobot. I highly recommend. It's super fun, and um, and yeah, of course, when you see your reflection, it's a little disorienting because mm-hmm. you are not yourself. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I haven't really dug as deep on the VR. I've been kind of going through the backlog of some things that I had already had and hadn't started. I'm still waiting for Winter to do Last of Us Two, and uh, I want to do. Type of game. I want to do another Hellblade playthrough at the at the hard hard level. Hellblade is just one of the most beautiful games I've ever played, I'd say. And it's also very punishing. And I'm fucking I'm so looking forward to the sequel. But that's going to be like another year or two. Uh, but yeah, um, look, we'll uh, we'll maybe start up a video game podcast. Yeah, I was going to say before this becomes a full on video game mm-hmm. podcast. Let's just yeah, it's like hey, let's check in with video games for a half an hour. <laughs> And also, that that can be a toxic world. It's not one that I really want to get into. Maybe I'll be a silent partner for that podcast. But um, <clears throat> oh, hey, no, speak up. But that was not my thing. My no. thing is, uh, yeah, it's it's the twenty first anniversary of nine eleven. So I have been watching some twentieth, twentieth, oh, twenty years. Uh, so yeah, it's the twentieth anniversary of nine uh, eleven. I have been checking out some of the videos i've been listening to some podcasts about the um i think the new york times did a podcast about the um the legacy of flight 93 the one that where the passengers having i guess received some information about what their fate was um uh of the of the four planes was the one that were hijacked 
essentially, yeah, took a took a vote and decided to bust into the cabin and overpower the hijackers. And um, yeah, as a result, the flight was derailed from mm-hmm. its intended target, and of course, it uh, crashed into the ground in Pennsylvania, uh, leaving leaving little but um, plastic dripping from trees, the pervasive smell of jet jet fuel, and and just a fucking crater essentially and yeah that was kind of heartbreaking uh i'll also listen to or uh watch watch some uh videos uh circulating online it, it was easy for me so okay i saw this video so a woman is taking video she, you can see down the street as there's a wall um of dust and smoke plume mm-hmm. um coming down the avenue at a clip right and she's filming and um, she gets kind of close to a to a shop where the shop owner pulls her inside and says, Miss, get get inside, get inside. And you can hear her say, all, all my shit is out there. And he's like, do you, do you want to be worried about your shit while you're dying? Pulls her inside, spookily uh, says at some point, behold the shadow of death, <laughs> which whatever prompted him to say that. You know, suddenly, as the plume rushes past the windows, because they're like, get away from the window, you see the sky blacken, and it stays black for a long time. And, yeah, her tone switches from, like, annoyance to just, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God. Immediately, she's like, you saved my life, you saved my life, which I'm sure is true. Uh, She probably wouldn't have choked and died, um, you know, in that moment, as the dust passes over, but... She probably would have in the time following within the next twelve years. She probably yeah. would have died as uh, died from from cancer and illnesses related, as so many people did. Yeah. But um, and my first thought watching this video was that she was shooting with her cell phone, right? And I'm like, oh, so many people, you know, in a, a population dense area like Manhattan, must have been shooting uh, footage. Mm-hmm. There must be so much footage that we still haven't seen. And then it's like, oh, of course, that didn't exist back then. Anybody who had a camera, especially a high-quality camera out there, was probably outside working, doing a project. Yeah. And it's kind of amazing that we even have footage of the first plane uh, striking the buildings. Have you seen it? Yeah. I didn't, obviously. You know, I mean, at the time, it took a while before I saw yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. And no, uh, I'm not somebody that saw loose change or anything like that. They probably find a lot of footage and a lot of interviews that well, they Well, I know use. that, for one thing, that... um. In areas like that, a lot of times uh, skyscrapers will have cameras mounted at the top of them to get the cityscape, mm-hmm. and they do that for various reasons. Sometimes it's for weather. Sometimes it's just to have there. It might be for a news company that just wants a live shot. And so, yeah, being able to have that that scene of the first uh, plane hitting the tower, absolutely mm-hmm. unexpected. It's incidentally there. There are cameras uh, well, all over for various reasons. The one I'm thinking of, it was a guy who was out shooting with the fire department. He was a new camera person, not their usual camera person. He's filming someone talking about a training exercise. Hears the sound of a plane go overhead and just instinctively pulls the camera up to the sky mm-hmm. and uh, uh, pans over, following it. Because um, it probably a, a plane that low would have been a, an unusual it sound. Been noticed, yeah, yeah. You just see the you see the explosion as the plane strikes the building, and then everyone starts saying, "Holy shit! Holy shit! Holy shit!" Right? Yeah. And I was reading the comments under that, and uh, somebody had said, you know, as somebody that was there at the time, I think for years we could be seeing footage like home footage trickle out 
um, because I think a lot of people just locked it away and didn't because they don't want to revisit that trauma. Makes sense. So you could be seeing new things for years to come. And of course, um, a lot of that, a lot of that stuff that the government had compiled has recently been unsealed as well, uh, under the, under the Biden administration, I think too. So a lot of stuff got declassified that has been in the grips of the government too. Sure. Uh, I feel like I had heard, uh, something about more footage, uh, from the Pentagon, uh, or some such. Um, well, I had also heard, I was listening to the daily zeitgeist a couple of days ago and, uh, they had talked about an FBI agent who is actually, uh, serving time now. He's been locked up, but at the time when the war on terror started and there was a need to root out uh, all of the uh, sleeper cells that were supposedly across the nation. Uh, the FBI was actually tasked with basically finding a problem that they didn't even know existed. As we've talked about on the show before, this led to, you know, a whole lot of false accusations and underneath certain legislation that was drafted, people didn't have to be charged. And this was kind of the great sweep of a lot of Muslim uh, and Arab people uh, in America. Well, one of the guys that was in the FBI working on a lot of these cases, he's, I guess, you know, like fabricating evidence, setting people up, and he was essentially radicalizing some people. Oh, wow. And yeah, that's what he viewed his task to be, I guess. Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah, because he was asked to justify a threat that he wasn't finding, you know, and so he kind of just became the devil's advocate on this like kind of grand scale. Um, so yeah, he's, he's locked up right now too. So you can read a little bit about that. I don't know if that story has been out forever, but, um, it's, it's starting to get talked about more now. I think for me, I don't like, I took this opportunity in the 20th anniversary because I don't really take time to stop and, and explore the trauma of that day and the fucking horrors of it because we're still dealing with the legacy of it. Yeah. And, you know, for me at the time it was rushing into a, a baseless war based on false information. It was um, my concern that the leadership was not equipped uh, to deal with this uh, in in a type of decent way. Um, Then, you know, living in Dearborn and seeing the rounding up of Muslims. And so, yeah, I mean, the legacy of 9-11 is definitely still with us. The, um, the events that led to it, it's, it's not something I really like take time to, um, like I take mental space for, but it was pretty wild to, um, you know, revisit that, uh, horrific event. Yeah. Um, I... which speaking of the legacy, um, I don't know if y'all heard, but <laughs> of course there's the obligatory hate crime, um, that, that occurred in Austin where somebody, you know, in the, in the night had come and, uh, put a put a pig's head on a on a stick with a sign out front yeah, of a Austin I mosque. I heard about Yeah, I heard something about that, but the, no, you I are as unc- story. the sign said you are as unclean in the in the eyes of God as this pig is to you or something like that and just I don't mm. know, Ecclesiastics 411 or whatever the fuck. Sure. Underneath that would make everyone see that sign and go, "Oh, let me look up that part of the Bible where it says to put a pig head in front of a mosque." Uh Right. Oh, good. Now I'm uh, now I'm um Born again, or whatever the fuck. Yeah.
before we move away, I think that there was one uh, other thing that I wanted to bring up about it. So George Bush uh, gave an address uh, a couple of days ago, you know, as did, I want to say, you know, Biden, obviously, and probably a couple of other like public figures. I, I was reading something that says that typically when presidents, you know, leave office, they stay fairly out of political discourse a whole lot. Um, part of that's because they've served. They don't want to make accusations about another person who's holding that responsibility. Yeah, a lot of, like, it's Jimmy Carter typical. will end up, yeah. do, or Bill Clinton will end up, do, like, uh, just attaching to a lot of, like, NGOs and, yeah. and charities and just, like... Yeah, so, but um, there's an exception to this, obviously. Uh, well, DJ Trump, uh, he has been outspoken about the whole thing. He didn't, though, this is the funny thing, he didn't give some kind of address, a memorial speech, about 9-11 uh, on the anniversary there. Uh, he decided and said to, I think, like host a, a boxing match or some such. Yeah, his guy, uh, um, he, he got he got slept by the, his opponent. Mm. Um, I didn't see the match, but yeah, well, uh, TKO. Yeah. The, um, <laughs> That's nice. Nobody wants to hear his opinion, though. Yeah, which, is, which is all for the best. Well, he knows this. So... The thing about it, though, is that uh, uh, George Bush Jr., uh, who was sitting president at the time and who, you know, he is the war on terror guy. I mean, you know, there's also Cheney <laughs> Rumsfeld and all of that stuff. But, uh, no, I, you know, he was giving his speech and actually said some pretty poignant things. And I'll, I'll probably just go ahead and throw in a clip. <sighs> but for your sake, I'll say this. Uh, in the weeks and months following the 9-11 attacks, I was proud to lead an amazing, resilient, united people. When it comes to the unity of America, those days seem distant from our own. Malign force seems at work in our common life that turns every disagreement into an argument and every argument into a clash of cultures. So much of our politics has become a naked appeal to anger, fear, and resentment. That leaves us worried about, the, about our nation and our future together. Okay. And he says some other stuff, too, that's actually like, I'm like, yes, these these are the things Ugh. that need to be said. But you, right. well, war criminal, Joe. responsible for it. Look, yeah, as I as I said when you told me this, I'm sure he's a very nice guy. He's I'm sure someone he you'd is. want to have a beer with if he wasn't a recovered alcoholic. Um, you know, Reagan was a hell of a nice guy too. Yeah. He was a good dad, a good dog owner, uh, a good husband to his wife. Um <laughs> It's, it's kind of fucked up we're in a place where some of the people that have damaged society the most, mm -hmm. uh, who never belonged in public office to begin with, look like decent people, as I'm sure they were, hmm. decent people in their private lives uh, compared to the last guy. Yeah. It doesn't mean they should be fucking lionized. I'm, I'm glad that GW has gained some perspective sure. <laughs> over the years since he <laughs> achieved the highest office. Hmm. Yeah, it just it hurts a little bit and it's it's odd. It hurts the brain to think about that. You know what I mean? And to recognize that um there was a time for him to maybe like think about that more deeply and and have it mean something more and have it achieve something more. And that's not what happened. The whole like maybe it's just like I'm mad about hindsight being 2020 and it's like, well, this is what I learned. Uh, you know, it's, I don't know. It's interesting that after the presidency, after his presidency, he took t t time out in retirement. And the only, the only, we only really heard from him when he was, 
doing a series of kind of comically adorable paintings. Mm-hmm. The, the primary reason that I was even bringing that up is because I do think that the message being given by George Bush is uh, an accurate one. I think it's important. And I think it is important to hear that coming from a figurehead on, let's say, the other side of this culture war. Because when people on the left say that, it's not heated by people on the right. They don't care. And I'm not going to say that just because Bush said it is like a magic word that's going to like have everybody have a come to Jesus moment or something. I think that it is important to hear somebody say it, anybody nearly. It's a little odd and annoying <laughs> to hear it come from somebody who has caused so much strife. I, I think it, he's uniquely ill-situated. Uh, yeah, ha- and that's, that's all I mean to say. But, but no, you're right. No, not, I totally agree with you. I'm not trying to lionize him, and I'm not trying to bash him kind of either way. Principles exist on all sides of the political spectrum. Shared principles, like um, pro-democracy principles, uh, can exist on all sides of the political spectrum. Yeah, there, there, there was a time that that was. Yeah, I mean, we were still calling GW fascist uh, right. in the wake of nine eleven. Um, because because the government was enacting some fascist ass policies. Yeah, exactly. You call it out when you see it. I didn't really figure we'd talk a whole lot about nine eleven, but. Um, well, yeah. We sorry, kind of spring that on you, but that's fine. I mean, hey, for me, that was the day that also uh, my dog died. It really sucked. Oh so, God. Yeah. I'm not trying to make it about that though. Well, um, I think uh, what we should really do here, though, I've got like a handful of uh, kind of bullet point headlines, but we've got some other stuff we're going to dig into. Uh, we're going to get started with our spec fic of uh, dystopia and the afterworld uh, later in the show. So we're just going to breeze through a few things, and uh, then we're going to get up on that. Sound good? Yes. Yes. Uh, I had heard about, uh, you know, we had talked last week also about, uh, you know, I think it was SB2 or whatever, uh, Texas's new bounty program uh, that they're running. There has been some amount of, you know, uh, corporate backlash over that. In fact, I heard about this company, Salesforce, that does mainly a lot of like online work and a lot of people work remotely for them, but they might have uh, some areas they have put out to their employees that uh, if they feel the need the, to leave Texas, if they live in Texas, and that this these laws put undue strain on them, then the company will help relocate them and their immediate family uh, to another state and continue working for uh, the company. Uh, yeah, so there's also, uh, we would mentioned last week, uh, Lyft and Uber is doing the same thing by raising, uh, you know, legal defense funds uh, to, to protect their drivers. Yeah, and- to drivers that, in the, a lot of people just in the course of doing their regular jobs, like, we don't know what the fallout from this is going to be. We haven't right. seen it yet, but it's uh, corporations trying to protect themselves, not just trying to stay on the uh, profitable side of the culture war but trying to legally protect themselves and allow people to to um continue to work for them right um are are just kind of have to uh protest this absurd uh (laughs) dystopian yeah uh bounty hunting system yeah well and i found it interesting to hear about a little bit of this now uh 
because just a couple of days ago I was listening to some of our older episodes and uh, number forty five. Um, Good we, old 45. Number 45, where we said goodbye to Yahoo Answers. Uh, it had a little segment on it, uh, an exchange between Tucker Carlson and uh, Governor Asa Hutchinson of uh, Arkansas, I want to say. Arkansas was uh, trying to pass this extremely uh, fucked up anti-trans bill, and uh, the governor was disagreeing with it. Uh, Tucker took attack of, did you talk to Walmart? <laughs> did you did you talk to any corporate interests right, about remember. this? Uh, and he's like, no, no, I didn't. So you should go back and check out that episode. Uh, it is on. Uh, but what it is up for streaming. What are the corporations? What's what are the their corporations what's their input? Think? And what's your response to their input? Because we have we need to appease the corporations. <laughs> this is the most important thing about U.S. governance. On that note, uh, Abbott has come out and said that. Elon Musk likes him a lot and likes Texas a lot and totally agrees with him and Texas's policies. So. Uh-huh. Yeah, I mean, he I, did he did talk to the corporation that is Elon Musk. Right. Uh, that's cool. I a <laughs> I have no problem believing that and uh, doesn't really change uh, my views on anything. Doesn't fucking matter. I don't think that I don't think that Elon Musk actually agrees with Greg Abbott and, and a whole lot of fucking theocratic Republicans out there. No, he just he doesn't but, want regulations on his Tesla plan. No, yeah, that's he, the only fucking thing he cares about. Yeah, he gives a fuck about ideologies. He's a capitalist. The man is a capitalist. Yeah. Bottom line. Uh, so yeah, so there's been uh, a few businesses that are now coming after Texas over, and I think that's kind of fun to hear about. Um, <clears throat> in addition to that. Texas is also passing a uh, social media law uh, about censorship. I don't know if you heard about this. It is aimed at uh, removing censorship from especially social media platforms because, you know, a lot of conservatives feel like they're being treated unfairly uh, on social media. Now, the word in this is that there's, there's a part of this legislation that says that also they're going to hold companies accountable for any uh, illegal content. So if somebody puts up a, pic- a picture or a video of them smoking a joint and somebody sees that in Texas, I guess that Facebook for posting that picture of something that is illegal in Texas, they're now like liable for? No, there, there's a massive sweeping law that protects social media platforms from the, from the, yeah. the content that Yeah, no, that's why there's going to be, uh, obviously, contests to this legislation. Because, look, he can sign as many fucking things in the law as he wants. It doesn't mean that it's going to stick. But that's basically what's happening right now. But you can't be serious. Yeah, he's throwing all this fucking spaghetti at the wall. And he's made a social media law. He's signed it into law in Texas that companies can be held accountable. Give a mouse a cookie, right? And, uh... And also, people can't can't be banned and can't be silenced. And uh, what do you, yeah. this, this makes no sense. It makes no fucking sense. And for him, there's to call contradictions it within though, what you're talking about. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> that's what I'm fucking saying. Yeah. So. Okay. Yeah. Well, I'll have to look. I'll have to look into that. I guess. I mean, it's I and, ta- I, and take down my prof- my Facebook profile picture, which yeah. is me with a giant bong. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and a dildo, which I think are now legal in Texas, um, um, as long as they're not as labeled as, as such. As long as you don't call them a dildo. Oh, is it that one dildo? My big, my big dildo bong pic. Yeah, and it says dildo on it. 
sounds. It says weed dildo. Yeah. Um, and then I, my caption is, me using my weed dildo. <laughs> that I stole. <laughs> <laughs> also, uh, I'll go ahead and break in with the... I don't know, some some good news. Uh, the Robert E. Lee Monument in uh, Richmond, Virginia uh, has been taken down. Uh, and I saw some pictures of it. I don't know if you'd seen it over the last year uh, in the wake of everything. Uh, but there was... Graffiti? Yeah, uh, quite a bit of it. And actually, I thought it made it look pretty nice to is have that, all that graffiti around the base of it. Is that Spanish graffiti? Graffiti? Spanish or Italian? It's definitely Latin. Oh, it looks Italian, can we think? Yeah. Anyway, sorry. Uh, yeah. But, uh, yeah, they have taken it down. And uh, now uh, I'm going to say this. Hey, look out. Statues of uh, Columbus and everybody else. <laughs> everybody, <laughs> else. everybody else. Everybody else. Everybody uh, else. Lincoln, fuck you. <laughs> Get out of that chair. Once you pull one statue down they're just all of Robert down. E. Lee, they're all coming down. David... Michelangelo's, Michelangelo's David. David, looking that's, at you, coming that's, down. That's different. <laughs> no, there's no room for nuance in this conversation. Okay. It's a slippery slope. <laughs> okay, okay. Oh my god, I'm sorry. Bob's big boy. I have to I have to admit, I did put a little rum in my Topo Chico <laughs> and kombucha mixture that I'm drinking. No more wacky inflatable guys outside of car dealerships. <laughs> <laughs> yeah but i love those guys we can't let that happen yeah we've got to fight the libs so <laughs> we got robert those Lee guys down. have some good moves let's stop there <laughs> <laughs> okay well statues coming down this is kind of old news that was a little flashback yeah, to well, about eight months ago if it wasn't so funny we'd probably cut a little <clears> bit right <throat> um um yeah what else you got um well I don't know much about this utopian city in the desert, uh, but I did want to bring up... Ooh, I love failed utopian societies. Well, it hasn't happened yet. Uh, some guy wants to make it happen. Uh, the city of Denver has been doing some uh, sweeps of the unhoused. It's uh, in, in a particular area uh, where... So is Austin, because that measure passed. Yeah, they've even been fencing in the community and not letting people in or out and they've basically kind oh. of like cordoned off the whole area Bummer. meanwhile they're they're clearing out i picture them actually fencing the for a second mm. so that really sucks. with those little little swords little cocktail swords um but on on that note i also did want to give a shout out on something else good i'm just vacillating between bad and good right now okay. um alex trebek uh had made a donation to uh an organization to help build, like, convert uh, an old dead uh, roller rink into a uh, facility with uh, housing and social services. A roller rink? Yeah. How cool is that? Right. And um, so he donated, uh, you know, something like a couple hundred thousand or something to it, him and his wife. And then there was a Jeopardy champion just recently who won something like 250 grand. And he said that he was actually... Uh, going to match that or whatever Aww. and and put it towards the same cause so they've actually kind of like accelerated and fast tracked the program to where they're they're trying to get it started and get it finished earlier and this is going to be in southern california uh, i forget where exactly but um what a real one do you know anything about this jeopardy champ uh no i unfortunately didn't say he's the a, link he's to a that. high school science teacher was that right who who no i'm just making this up oh. i'm just saying like 
Maybe he's this really good guy who's really smart, but he works in the public sphere and earns very little money. Mm-hmm. He's and... a he's a beekeeper, pro bono. <laughs> uh, he has a dog and cat rescue. and I would like to take this moment to announce to God and everybody that if I ever won the Texas Lotto, I would donate three quarters of it. I, I would pay off those stupid pesky student loans that um, keep absorbing my tax return pay off the house mm-hmm. oh buy buy you that um, that that place on 4th street so that you could start a, a future failed business right and then I would just donate the rest to uh, the cause of homelessness yeah. it's probably not going to do me any good to make that announcement because I never actually play the lotto because it's it's a fool's game sorry yeah. you guys yeah. Yeah. Like I say, I just wanted to kind of like take a, take a breeze through, uh, the newspaper and some of the things that I had seen. I didn't want to really dig in deep to any of that this week. I've been getting depressed by all the news. None of it's getting any better. So that's why we're going to shift and we're going to start talking about something a little bit more fun. Okay. It's more enjoyable. Hey everybody, this is Joe with a real quick station break for you. I just want to say thanks for listening to the show and thanks for listening to KBSR. Uh, you know how things go here. KBSR is fully independent, listener supported. Uh, we got a Patreon community that helps us keep everything going and you can go be a part of it. You can search for Black Sparrow Radio on Patreon, I think it is. Here's the easy thing I know to do. Go to blacksparrowmusicparlor.com and there are links on there to go straight to our Patreon. There's You can stream the radio 24-7 straight from that page. And it's got the schedule of all the different shows and news and updates on what's going on. Uh, yeah, that's kind of your one-stop shop, blacksparrowmusicparlor.com. Uh, yeah, I just want to say thanks to everybody. Trevor and the Mental State Fair. Thanks to Alex Cuervo. Thanks to Shannon KBSR. And all of you listening uh, home and abroad. Uh, well, let's go ahead and get back into the show. Oh, sorry, we're out of time. We've actually been talking for almost an hour. I guess we're going to have to get to our highly anticipated future show. No, I'm just kidding. Um, but we don't, we don't have a lot of time left. So what we are going to do is uh, we're just going to talk a little bit about... TV, mm-hmm. and uh, we'll move on to other forms of media next week. This is going to be like Halloween, at least a month long, probably a month and a half. Yeah. Uh, where we're going to revisit the topic of uh, speculative fiction in future dystopia. Um, and we're going to talk about TV. I have a few things written down, mm-hmm. but uh, did you want to start us off with anything? Well, let's see what I had written here. Um I just scribbled these down quick last night, actually. Uh, I could start it off fun with uh, Adventure Time. Actually, I love that idea. Yeah. Um, it's not it's not a show that most people think of when they think of dis- future dystopia, because uh, these are 15-minute cartoons. Mm-hmm. Well, it seems like a world of fantasy, and the fact that it is like a, a future you know, wasted world, uh, 
damaged earth. That it's, doesn't really come across I think all the time. It, it's something that you come to gradually if mm-hmm. you are watching this show, whether you're a child or an adult. Adults will recognize things that children won't, yeah. um, which is remnants of an older society that's more recognizable. Right. Uh, yeah, I think that it's uh, really great and it deals with, um, you know, the thought of like what can come after and as it goes through later, later in the season, you kind of get to understand why it's the fantasy world and there are different talking animals and, and, and these things. Uh, yeah, and, and and sentient creatures that are, <laughs> I believe <clears throat> it's canon if you watch the show, mm-hmm. that there are four basic elements that make up uh, the the things – the four or five, maybe five different sections of, of the world mm-hmm. that we know. And there are sentient creatures made out of these things. Like there's, there's candy world, right? Mm-hmm. The princess bubblegum is sentient candy. And so are her subjects. And the world is made out of candy. Mm-hmm. And it's also a thing that the candy creatures consume. So that's kind of weird that's, and interesting. Yeah. There's slime. So we got candy, slime, ice. Mm-hmm. Is one of them. Fire. Fire is one of them. There's a fire kingdom. And lumpy space. And lumpy. Well, lumpy space is right out of the world. It's a different dimension. It's like quantum. I feel like there's actually a fifth. It's been too long since I saw the show. Obviously, there's meat space too, but uh, (laughs) the the dog and human protagonists of the show are the dog is a mutant. And the human is a remnant of a different era. Um, he's a little bit of a surprise. That's why they call right. him Finn the Human. As, as it goes through in the beginning, he's basically the only human. And then they, you know, end up exploring his uh, origin stories. And so, you know, you get to hear more about that. Um, but for the most part, it is a it is a world with remnants of human culture, but no humans. Uh, there which is, is really a, interesting. There is a trope that is very common, which is that humans might have retreated after a nuclear uh, situation to mm-hmm. a subterranean realm um, because there are a group of humanoids living in the sewers. It does eventually become apparent that they are mutants as well. Yeah. But um, that's something that we see time and time again in um, this, this type of uh, future dystopian fiction is that Humans have to retreat subsurface. Actually, we, we just watched one last night, The Time Travelers. Uh, yeah, we were yeah. watching MST3K. Um, they accidentally go 100 years in the future from 1964. <laughs> and they end up in, yeah, uh, 2071 or whatever. Yeah, I mean, I think that H.G. Wells, The, uh, the Time Traveler, mm-hmm. uh, is highly influential for a really long time on uh, dystopian future spec fic. Um, obviously, in H.G. Wells' The Time Traveler, there he, he goes forward in the future. I don't think it's only 100 years or whatever, but uh, uh, finds that there has emerged two races of people, the Eloy and the right. uh, Morlocks, or Molochs. I think it's Morlocks, right? I think so. And... Um, the Eloy are more like vulnerable elfin creatures <laughs> that probably descended from the wealthy who live on the surface. Mm-hmm. And the, the Morlock uh, are subterranean um, cannibals that come out at night to prey on the... the uh... Well, I think what's really striking about this is not the, necessarily the subterranean thing because n- nuclear 
annihilation and the surface being uninhabitable mm-hmm. wasn't really, uh, you know, bomb shelters and things or, or whatever. <clears throat> fallout style you know whole sub subterranean you know societies that are stocked up and ready to go Mm -hmm. became a nuclear era thing um whereas he wells wrote this um before right right uh, right any of that was uh looming public consciousness yeah so well and we um we're gonna but there is a division between the haves and the have-nots as humanity gradually diverges from Mm -hmm. a single uh from a single species into dual species right and um, in case it's been unclear, we've actually got several different mediums that we're going to cover in this, and we're just going to take them a piece at a time. So we're doing TV right now, and we will do books and uh, video games and film and various other aspects. And literature. And literature. Well, I said books. Oh. <laughs> you know, Sorry, I wasn't listening. That's. I'm pretty sure that's what you would find inside a book is literature. No shit. Sometimes. No shit. Not always. Um, but yeah, uh, I think that there is... In a lot of these, there is the common theme of the evolution of man kind of diverging. And I think that's something that you find a lot is... Something uh, worth exploring for sure. Um, the... You you do see it. Tribalism prevails. Tribalism prevails, yes. Yeah. Um, and, you know, that's unfortunate. Um, well, to... Now, to well, I did want to say on the topic of su- being humans having to go subterranean because the uh, up the upper world becomes inhospitable. You mentioned um, Adventure Time. I would also like to just go ahead and real quick throw Kipo and the uh, Age of the Wonder Beasts in there because obviously there's also been a nuclear fallout mm-hmm. situation in this that does result in surface uh, mutations. Right. That makes the upper world inhospitable. So <clears throat> generations of humans are living below the surface in societies, th- in in areas that they have built just for this purpose. Right. Yeah, that was the same thing I was going to bring up uh, to just transition to. There's um, also a YA fiction series that I have not read. Uh, I cannot remember the name of that. That is the same. But that's premise. the same premise of that. Yeah. And there's a few other things I could even name. Oh, yeah, I bet. Um <clears throat> Yeah, I think that, uh, well, uh, yeah, we were going to bring up Kipo too. I think that that one also does a pretty good job at showing the the remnants of like a culture, you know, and, and things that were things that once were, it makes it obviously, it, well, it makes it more obvious because it's the story kind of hinges on it. Um, and then later on they get into, again, like the conversation about tribalism comes back when you have some of the humans who live subterraneously they're like they're like no the surface is ours we need to take this back and, and the, you know the the denizens of the upper surface are also very tribalistic they're just carving yeah. out their little space they're making more with each other they're sentient animals who yeah. are oversized and uh, uh, i just want to bring it back to um adventure time real quick i think mm-hmm. one of my favorite episodes is where they decide to okay, so there's this zine that they're really obsessed with, but it's, it becomes really clear that right, right, the zine is was actually published a long, long time ago, mm-hmm. and they don't really get that, so they're like, we need to go there, we need to go to the headquarters, be, to, yeah, because the zine stopped being delivered yeah. some time ago, and they discover. Oh god, I'm mixing it up in my head with the where they go to the grape soda factory because grape soda stops happening. No, yeah, grape soda is wild, but no, the uh, the zine thing is just a an empty 
corporate office yeah. uh, with, with skeletons and such inside it. Like <laughs> you can, you get the, you get the idea that people were going through their normal day to day when something very, very drastic happened. And basically that's when we saw civilization collapse. So and if you can the have scene a, was stopped if you can production. manage to have a pre-subscription <laughs> yeah. with an auto pay, that somehow lasts for a hundred years or whatever it is, whatever mm-hmm. it's been since the total collapse of <laughs> <laughs> what we know as like, I guess, 21st century society. Yeah. Uh, you might continue to get those things auto delivered by drones. Yeah. Yeah. Could be. Um, one of the things I wanted to talk about was um, how a, uh, a lot of this futuristic dystopia stuff, dy- futuristic dystopia stuff is, us dealing with anxieties about the future and the path that we're on. And a lot of art and media has been focused uh, recently on rising wealth inequality. Um, For example, last year's uh, Academy Award winning Best Picture was Parasite. Mm -hmm. Um, Right, right. That's um, a great film. Yeah, it really was. What I kind of wanted to do was look a little bit at the – let's see, I have – I have two here. So we both watched Altered Carbon uh, on Netflix, right? Yeah, we watched uh, the first season of it. Yeah, that uh, is based on literature. Yeah, there's a series. And so, yeah, there's plenty to that. But it's just a, as a standalone as the show. It's a little bit of a... I would say a little bit of a mess um, as far as like sensory input that you're getting from the show. But... Uh, one of the main things of the show is humans are functionally immortal because the wealthy uh, are able to upload their consciousness, mm-hmm. like essentially onto a little disc that can be your meat body uh, can can age and die and, yeah. and be killed in, in violent ways, and your consciousness lives on. Or, I mean, also cloning can be involved. Uh, so you can have backups of your regular meat right. body, or you could get a different body off of the market. Right, you can get you can get a, a standard market body, which is expensive. But um, so this is only something for still kind of the wealthy class or criminals are able to afford this. Uh, but you're able to continue to back up your consciousness for what would be generations upon mm-hmm. generations. Right. I get, I don't fully, because of the way it was executed, I don't fully remember the plot of Altered Carbon like super well. Yeah, um, I mean, I get it. It's a kind of a detective story. Yeah, it's kind of a film noir yeah, yeah. type of thing, which one of my, one of my favorite. I enjoyed it a lot. Um, I was going to say one of my favorite future dystopias is a film noir. Blade Runner. Bla- uh, Blade Runner. But um, I do get Altered Carbon confused in my head a little bit with that Black Mirror episode. I think it was Black Mirror where they also... Uh, because this is kind of a short, um, uh-huh. there are highly wealthy people that live in the clouds that are functionally mortal because their consciousness um, transfers from body to body. They can live forever. But okay. they know that due to limited resources, not everyone can keep making people and all the people are functionally mortal. I don't know that I remember this one. So there are people that defect and there are lower spaces where mm-hmm. people don't have access to alternate bodies sure, sure. and they just live out their lives. But like the, well, you're seeing it through the lens of a detective that has to hunt down someone that fled society. There are these like cops uh, that, that pursue people, the immortals mm-hmm. who go down and procreate. 
Their job mm. is to mow down literal mm. children and babies and kill them because they're a threat to the resources right. Right, right, that right. the wealthy immortals okay, uh, possess. One. Yeah. And but there are some people who defect because the drive to procreate is so strong. So basically, you're seeing a dichotomy between um, the desire to to procreate mm-hmm. and like a mama spider, allow yourself to be devoured by your young to give what you have to the future generation right? versus the desire to selfishly maintain your consciousness and your form in, in peak, in peak health and beauty forever, which I think we all have. And as a person who's a non-parent, I guess I don't fully understand the selflessness that says, okay, my DNA will continue through my child and it's like I'm immortal. (laughs) Right. I will die, but my child will live on. My legacy will live on. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think it's kind of an interesting thing to explore, which they do explore in Altered Carbon and obviously in that Black Mirror episode. Uh, but I think this stems in particular from a, um, an anxiety about the growing generational wealth gap. Uh-huh. Ba- the baby boomer generation uh, did very well on the whole. And... Um, of all generations in, that are currently in adulthood, from the silent generation to Gen Z, uh, the baby boomer, uh, baby boomer generation owns 44% of houses uh, disproportionately. Uh, they own 52.7% of the nation's wealth, uh, which is uh, far more, more than half, like maybe three times what Gen Z owns, uh, sorry, what Gen X owns, and 10 times uh, the wealth of uh, millennials who have been largely squeezed out of the economy. Four in 10 millennials describe their uh, financial situation as, quote, poor. Mm-hmm. So I do I do think when it comes to living forever and hoarding a lot – can I just say, by the way, this is not a personal attack on uh, any of our baby boomer listening audience. Joyce, this is not about you. <laughs> this is 100%. I'm just talking about a situational inequality situation yeah, yeah, yeah. that is not you personally. Uh, I, I doubt it resulted from a lack of strong bootstrap – a dearth of uh, uh, strong bootstraps uh, that occurred during a certain era. Sure. Uh, but – they are talking about uh, what what they're calling a great wealth transfer, uh, where millennials stand to inherit uh, $6.8 trillion from their parents by the year 2030. Hmm. But obviously, this is going to be extremely unequal, too, because generational fam- family wealth stays within families yeah. and uh, poor working class and, and middle class people uh, oftentimes often. Well, I mean, there's a massive amount of debt. Uh with both Gen, uh, Gen X and Millennials, particularly Millennials, um, specifically uh, $1.6 trillion in student loans, uh, mm-hmm. student loan debt that uh, is um, the situation right now, which right. is uh, insane. I am interested in the type of dystopic fic that is, is sort of indirectly exploring this reluctance uh, th- this generational wealth gap and this reluctance to transfer um, resources and wealth to right. uh, future civilization or I'm sorry, future future sure. generations. Yeah. Uh, the, the hoarding of uh, resources and uh, everything else is, is certainly one of the things which is propelling us towards a breaking point. However you view that, whether it's uh, physical resources 
or it's more fungible resources like wealth. Um, yeah, still uh, hoarding and, and not passing that on and having a strong generational flow of things. Yeah, that's that's going to fuck everything up. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I, I do think that's something that we're going to be exploring when we look at uh, dystopic speculative fake. What are the anxieties of the time? What, what mm-hmm. are the anxieties of the era in which it was created? And the path that we're on? And what, yeah, what does it say? Obviously, you have a lot of atomic era anxieties uh, coming forward in uh, dystopic uh, future spec fic. Right. Uh, but w- what else do we have to talk about when we talk about TV? Well, I mean, obviously, we we got to bring up The Walking Dead. We have to. Um, it's it's a strong show. I've been going massively for a long time. influential. Yeah, and um, so to be clear, that is also you know it's based off of a comic book uh, that was long running, and uh, for in some ways the show kind of went out on its own way. They didn't want to follow the plot point by point. They wanted to be able to kind of like surprise people and and have things go generally the same but they're also kind of making two two different canons in a way like alternate like sliding doors i don't know is the Um, is the comic book still going no i believe it has wrapped up but it was still going while the while the show was on too Mm -hmm. um and i don't you know the show is on its last season they're not going to try to go for the full extent that the comic book went for well they have two spinoffs apparently yeah so but um, some of which are being shot here in Taylor, Texas. Yeah, in addition to Walker, Texas Ranger. <laughs> um, <laughs> totally different. Totally different. Not part of the franchise. Yeah, not as dystopic as uh, Walking Dead. Walking Texas Zombie. Uh, but to say about uh, the Walking Dead, obviously that's one of the uh, you know highly specific scenarios. It's it's not nuclear annihilation uh but it is uh resource scarcity and everything because it is a there's a plague outbreak of these zombies um and that is what shifts the landscape and changes everything um yeah i i like to say i like to put zombies into plague territory and zombies have represented different things you know um obviously the second uh of dead movie Mm -hmm. was set in a mall yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. I've got I've got stuff we'll dig into when we do film for when we do uh, the film. Dead series. Yeah. Um, which has it's been suggested that we're talking about mindless consumerism. Mm-hmm. We're talking about. Um, I mean this this was the Reagan era that this came out right. Right. Um, as well, but very often, and it's not a simple parallel, but very often these do represent uh, anxieties uh, that right. we're feeling towards um, uh, society as it's progressing. Right. But the the contagion, the things being contagious uh, category, um, is, is something I would put The Walking Dead in. And it, they make it very clear in the series early on that it's not necessarily um, the dead that are The Walking Dead. It's it's the living are, occupants of the all, remnants of society. Yeah. Um, yeah, and we are all susceptible to this. It's not that staying away from the infected is going to right. save you. You right. will you will befall this fate. Um, unless it comes you put for a shank in your brain. All of us. It will come for all of us. Yeah. And so I think that that's interesting. And I think that, I mean, especially in the first handful of seasons, I think they did a pretty good job at trying to paint the picture of what it's like to get um, communities and groups together mm-hmm. and, and what kind of dangers and things you would face. 
but obviously, you know, in the last handful of seasons, they've really just, they're doing their thing. They got to wrap it up somewhere or another, you know? Well, in all fairness, it has now been five years or something. So older walking corpses are degraded to the point that they're no longer Mm. uh, really a danger, according to the logical rules of the show. I mean, logical rules of the show, they never explain gasoline consumption. Uh, on Daryl's motorcycle there. We talked about this, and you had told me that you think it's... Um, they might have something like uh, ethanol. You th- you think uh, that Daryl probably converted his motorcycle to ethanol. It's possible. Yeah. But I feel like they hadn't made that explicit. Um, and in fact, there are other vehicles too, and I just don't know. Yeah, well, whatever. Um, but, we I mean, to, you see a lot more uses to, horses being used. Yeah, we don't have to double down on the uh, plausibility of, of some minutia like that. Number one thing I hate is the second I see a horse on the screen in The Walking Dead, though, I know it's going to be devoured <laughs> alive by zombies before the fucking show is over. Uh, I'm like, fuck, there's a horse again. It's a coin toss, yeah. It happens quite a bit. Yeah. Can't even have a, can't even have a tiger on that show without it being eaten by zombies. Um, I, I'm not going to lie. I felt like my pff, manipul- my emotions were being manipulated, mm-hmm. but I still cried a little. Yeah. No, for sure. For that CGI tiger, I cried a little. Yeah. I shed a tear. So, um, yeah, so that's another good entry and kind of the main one when it comes to, I think, uh, zombies on TV. There's a couple others, you know, and there's spinoffs and stuff, but uh, I, think, I think that's your premier, your go-to. But surely there's a couple of other entries. You know, I thought about bringing up Doro Hidoro, but that doesn't necessarily work. It's just kind of like a different world. Um, I've talked about Doro Hidoro enough, I think, yeah, in the show. Yeah, I don't want to put it in the category of... Uh, I think it's a feat of imagination yeah. and animation. I think that it. I think that what it does is fit into some of these categories that we're talking about, about, you know, differences in class... And about mm-hmm. how you can have an elite class and yeah. then a lower class and how one exploits the other kind and of a magical, endlessly. a magical class that's from a different dimension. And well, I mean, that's basically it. The magical class from a different dimension is the elite class. Yeah. We, we gather that in the whole, that's where non-magic users live and they are always just kind of at the whim. And they, you know, they live in a pretty fucked up place. Uh, anyway, just go watch Dorito and you'll you'll get what we're talking about. But I was going to say also, I did want to bring up Neon Genesis because yeah. the the feeling of apocalypse looms large over the show, although it's largely about uh, de- depression, individual struggle, and mm-hmm. stuff like that. Uh, you know, we've got our favorite emo character who pilots a massive robot body, but I feel like the, the whole thing, the the internal logic. Um, isn't really there is kind of more about uh, feelings uh, f- feelings of disaffected youth and depression and and fu- uh, functioning in a yeah actually this isn't even a post-apocalyptic thing even though it's set in a post-apocalyptic situation um, I think it's very much about the individual struggle of the person who wrote it yeah uh, and that's why so many people connect with it uh, I wanted to bring up Wayward Pines, um, which was a show, I think, on Netflix that we watched some time ago. I'm not sure if I... not ringing a bell with me. Well, the whole thing is bars. Uh, essentially a simulation. Uh, you are being lied to. Um, there's a little bit of the Truman Show syndrome present in this, and we have seen this more, more and more in uh, uh, speculative fiction. I think the Truman Show is a highly influential movie on just the public consciousness. Mm-hmm. 
are you being watched? Are you being monitored? Are you part of an experiment right. or someone else's entertainment? And what? how much can you trust what you see and feel and hear, like uh, the reality around you? And we'll get more into simulation theory mm-hmm. in future episodes. Yeah. We're running out of time, uh, so we're going to talk about that right now. Uh, one more thing I wanted to say was <clears throat> if you are on TikTok, if you are a young person, yourself are um, have what would normally be thought of as a rare uh, mental illness or, or any type of um, neurodivergence that you are struggling with and you're public about it online. Or if you've noticed that almost all of your friends online uh, are having some type of uh, neurodivergence that they want to be public about, hit us up at we're trying show at gmail.com. Uh, because that's something I'm going to try to dive into, if not on next week's show, in uh, uh, an upcoming show. I want to talk about the prevalence of mental illness uh, in uh, on TikTok. I want to talk about the modern causes, basically the, the modern condition that mm-hmm. causes a great prevalence of mental uh, uh, struggles. I want to talk about mass hysteria and munchausen by internet yeah as well and uh that's something we're going to dive into on future episodes if you have any input i would love to hear it yeah um we also have an instagram uh radio gripe tx we we do not have a tiktok uh or a twitter uh, that's probably where we're failing uh, yeah, on the it. outreach yeah so stay tuned and also you know uh like i said we're going to do other areas of this idea of speculative fiction too. And I think that as we get kind of done with covering everything, we'll probably have like a look back. We'll talk about a lot of the common themes and, and where they all land. And uh, I'll probably do like a, uh, you know, like a future hacks, what we've learned from all of these things, uh, you know, what, what we can be armed with after Oof. watching all this TV we, and, and reading I'm all these I'm so books. sorry that we didn't come to you with future hacks this episode. Well, this um, we is, have run out of time. I think that this is the start of a, of a larger thing where we're going to really kind of contextualize maybe some of the things that we've said, and we're going to, we're going to pull up some more poignant, thoughtful things yeah. instead of just telling you to use ants to make a computer. Guess what? We don't have a big fucking audience. So we're going to yeah. talk about this shit at our leisure. Yeah. The way we feel like talking about it. You hear that? <laughs> <laughs> but we are, we are asking for your input. We're asking for you to be part of this conversation. I just put a shout out to Joyce, our fictitious uh, boomer, Listener, I'm putting a shout out to, I don't know, Aiden, our fictitious uh, yeah. <laughs> Gen Z listener. If you have any input, I want to hear it. I want to platform your views. I'm I've, I've really not here to uh, make fun or judge or fake claim anybody. Uh, I'm just trying to understand. Yeah, um, reach out to us and uh, check out everything else on the network, KBSR, a lot of good stuff. Um we need to say big thanks to Trevor Wren and Mental State Fair for giving us use of the theme song, Dying in Texas. Thanks to Alex Cuervo of the Spectrostatic for a lot of things that you're going to hear here and there. And uh, thanks to you for chiming in with us and spending some time with us. Uh, stay tuned for the JoJo Bone Show. It's <laughs> <laughs> the wildest thing to say. Um, yeah. Uh, well, till next time. It's awesome.
Thursday Fresh Cheese Bags. Sit down.